Well, Father, we just thank you um, for today, God. I ask you um, to have your way. Thank you for all that you're doing in the earth. Thank you that um, we have the privilege to live in exceptional days. Thank you, God, that you've given us the ability to see and to hear and to understand. Father, we bless you today. God, I pray that you would fill my mouth with fire. I just love you and thank you for the privilege um, of serving you. You know, when I, um, when I started all of this, <clears throat> I had no idea um, the gospel was never really preached to me. And I was, gosh, 30, 38. All I knew is that uh, church was boring and um, it was just a bunch of rules, which I didn't want to have anything to do with because um, I loved to have fun. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, however, I was going to church at the time just to take my kids for a little um, uh, morality control. And, um, and then something happened. God broke in. Heaven broke into my life with the audible voice of the Lord, and it changed everything. It changed everything because heaven, there's something tangible powerful, passionate, real in heaven. And when heaven breaks in the earth, everything changes. And my life was never the same. It took me off of one road and it put me on another road. And not because I had to, but because I was, I had found the one thing the man who, whose hand created me, who crafted me, who whispered sweet things to me, and it changed my life forever and ever. And he said, walk this way. Because it's going to be greater than you can hope and imagine. And I believe there's coming a real um, a movement, not a, not a, um, not a revival. Um, but a movement, there's coming a, a, a shift and a change that the body of Christ will never be the same again. And it's going to change everything. It's going to change everything because heaven will come to earth in a way that is so tangible that people are going to get swept up in it. And all of the religious activities and all of the traditions of man will fade away in light of this incredible explosion of light. And so what I've been trying to, what I felt like the Lord had me doing is really trying to communicate prophetically what I, I see coming. Because as I've said in the last few weeks, as we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven, is that there's coming a great shaking and a tremendous outpouring and that I felt like a schizophrenic prophet because I've been seeing the great and the terrible. And I'm like, Lord, which is it? Is it, I don't understand, you know, is it, is it good? Is it bad? And he said, yes. <sighs> okay, I feel like I'm standing before the walls of Jericho here. Um, 
So he began to download to me. He said, I want you to prepare my people just like John the Baptist did because the spirit of Elijah is alive in the land to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And so when the Lord told me, prepare, and he, many of you who are prophetic, and, there are, and everybody here is prophetic, a lot of you have been hearing, prepare, prepare, prepare. And so, you know, we're Texans, and so we think, oh, well, we've got to get some more guns and some ammo. Better get some food and some water. Come on. But really... The Lord is like, no, 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 no. I have a plan. I have a preparation that is a spiritual preparation where you will just make water out of a rock. And you're going to make food multiply out of a grain of wheat. And so it's going to be a preparation where the natural man comes down and the spirit man takes over. Then that's all like fun. And in the midst of all of that, there will be, you know, crumblings of buildings and old mindsets and old ways and warfare and all of those good things. Praise the Lord, right? So last week we were talking about a transition of God's people in the first exodus through Moses. And today uh, I'm going to talk about the biblical transitions and the exoduses between, with Zerubbabel and with um, Jesus. How many of you have heard of Zerubbabel? Raise your hand. Probably because this house used to be called the house of Zerubbabel. I had this dream once where the Lord told me it was a real marker dream in my life where the Lord said, you're having Zerubbabel's baby. And John's like, honey, can you quit going around telling people that you're having another man's baby? <laughs> I'm like, it's spiritual. <laughs> The prophets understand. <laughs> Maybe no one else, but anyway. So the reason that I, I really wanted to talk about uh, the biblical transitions is because uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so when he um, starts to initiate an exodus from slavery and into the promised land, he's done it the same way three times. It's like, hey Pay attention to this. Take a look at what the way that I've done it because the way that I've done it is the way I'm going to do it. And so what's coming is going to have a lot of similar characteristics. Hold on a second. I have to swallow my mint because it's going to come flying out of my mouth. <laughs> Whew. Okay, I feel much more confident. <laughs> All right, that's actually happened to me praying for someone before. And I was like, sorry. <sighs> it was a minty, fresh deliverance. I had to go there. Bada bing. All right, so today, Zerubbabel and Jesus. All right, these two are blueprints. All right, so next week, I'm going to be talking about the lifestyle of the citizens of heaven. And then we're going to go into heaven and earth, the time and space continuum, the visible and the invisible realms. You definitely want to be here for that. 
Then I'm going to go into preparation for prosperity because in every single exodus, there's an outpouring of incredible wealth into the hands of the remnant, okay? And we want to be ready for that. Amen? All right, so the lifestyle of heaven is to prepare you to cross over in the midst of shaking you out of earthly living. So we're coming upon um, the Smita. How many of you have heard of that? Can you just say that? The Smita? Shamita? Um, and it's not that naked monkey from, what was the name of that? Smeagol? Lord of the Rings? Thank you. No, it's not that. But doesn't it remind you of that? I mean, come on. Let's just get real. Who came up with that name? I don't know. So, okay, so you've got the Smita, but you also have something else, two other things going on um, this fall. And, and I don't know, how many of you have read that book by Jonathan Kahn? Con. Con. Harbinger, not the Harbinger, the one about the Smita. Okay, well, that's kind of scary. It's just like, okay, here we're coming, and there's going to be, a, you know, a great financial collapse, and it's the way that, that he's communicated to it, it's pretty much guaranteed. And um, based on seasons and history of seasons of this particular uh, time of, uh, or event and time of year. And so... Uh, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, huh, that's very interesting. Well, it, it's interesting. The name Smita actually means to release, and, and, and there's a release that's happening. There's an exodus. It, it means, if you want to boil it all down, it means basically an exodus. And then, but then you have the Jubilee year that is also happening at the same time, which means freedom. So we're being taken out of one and into another. We're being released out of our natural thinking. God is going to shake the trees to see when the apples fall out, to see what falls out. And what he's looking for is he's looking for the pure gold. And then we're going to walk in freedom because we're going to discover that place on the inside of us, that in, in, internal life on the inside of us that's going to shine and resonate with Christ. There's going to be a great I, I don't want to say outpouring like it comes from someplace else. There's going to be a great outpouring that's going to come forth from us. Amen? And, at, and then the third thing that's going to happen, of course, is the fourth blood moon at the same time. So it's going to be an exciting time. So as we, tradition, as we uh, transition out, we talked about um, leaving Egypt. Um, he, what he did is he, uh, the Lord, um, or God, he shook the current structures and they were, that were used, uh, for 400 years. So the people had gotten into, uh, pretty much of a routine, you know, over 400 years, you're going to get into a routine, which is generations of slavery. And when you have that kind of generations of slavery, God broke in over them and he shook what they were accustomed to. The, the place where they lived and all of the ways uh, that they had done things, and he shook it, he shook that place in order for that place, Egypt, to release them. Remember, he said, let my people go so that they can worship me and build a tabernacle, a place where they could come and worship me. And so... Um, it's very interesting that there was a difference. Everybody, all right, let me back up. Everybody left during the Exodus. 
The whole tribe left. Everybody. No one was left behind. Men, women, children, old men, old women. Everybody left. Livestock left, right? But not everybody went into the promised land. And so there were only very few that had what he called a different spirit. There was a remnant among the 12 leaders of the tribe. There was a remnant. There were two among the 12. And it said, the word says that they had a different spirit. And the spirit that they had was that they were poor in spirit. You see, there's a difference between having a poverty spirit and being poor in spirit. And the rest of the tribe and the rest of the elders had a poverty spirit. And the difference, I could actually preach a whole message on this because it's so about the condition of where we are today. But a a spirit of poverty expects bad things. But to be poor in spirit expects good things. Because you know that God loves you and that he wants to bless you. And you know that the hand of God is covering you. And so it comes from an internal attitude that they had that even when Caleb and Joshua were were there and inspected the land, what did they find? They found giants. But they're like, hey, this is no big deal because they were poor in spirit, fully trusting God in what he said he was going to do. They didn't know. They were just like you and me. But they had eyes to see, and they saw that the glass was half full and not half empty. Sorry, I I lost my other glasses. So they were trans. So, so when we transition, we transition from slavery to freedom. Okay. Second, we transition from orphans to sons. Third, we transition from earthly living in our natural minds to heavenly living, being spirit led, and we transition from labor, which is a curse, to rest, which is a blessing. Don't you know that uh, the curse in the garden, he said, you will labor and, uh, among the thistles and it will be hard for you. It's going to be difficult for you uh, to, to make a living. It's going to be difficult for you to live because there's now a curse on you because of the fall in the garden. When Jesus came, that curse was broken. And he said, you can now enter into my rest again. That means I'll do it for you instead of you doing it for me. Amen. All right, so let's talk about Zerubbabel. Um, okay, let's, uh, Zerubbabel. So let me just give you the landscape. So here you've got um, the children of Israel who were seriously misbehaving for generations. And they got kind of this uh, time out from the Lord. It was like this 70-year time out. All right, listen, you're going to go sit over there and Babylon until you guys learn how to behave. And um, I think the thing that really tipped the hand of God was uh, when they were uh, sacrificing their children to idols. Um, When Israel, Israel, the chosen people of God, were killing their own children. And and it said in um, Jeremiah, it was just a phenomenal statement from the Lord where he said, now this is God, right? God all-knowing, all-powerful, right? Creator of heaven and earth. He said it never entered my mind that you would kill your own children. 
It never entered into the mind of God. And I believe really that's where uh, the royal spanking came from. All right, but even though he sent them into Babylon for 70 years, he said, listen, after 70 years are over, I'm going to bring you out of Babylon. So they were slaves for 70 years. That's an entire generation of living in another place, being taken captive and being taken to another land to work as slaves to a demonic king, to a demonic people. They were controlled and managed, and they were servants of these people. And so after 70 years, the Lord promised and he prophesied that he would bring them back because of his goodness. And, the, and, and it says here that um, in Isaiah, 150 years before there's a prophecy, 150 years before they were to come back. And, and Isaiah prophesied about a king named Cyrus. Cyrus wasn't even born. They hadn't even been taken into Babylonian captivity yet. And so he prophesies to a Persian king who conquers Nebuchadnezzar, okay? And it says this from Isaiah 44. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purpose, says of Jerusalem. He shall, she shall be built, and of the temple your foundation shall be laid. Thus says the Lord to the anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give to you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. Israel. So you've got this King Cyrus and King Cyrus, it says that the spirit moved on him and King Cyrus, who again, this is a guy that has the orgies. I mean, the spirit of the living God moves on an evil ruler and he, and he says to the people of Israel, you are going back to Jerusalem to rebuild your temple. And, oh, uh, by the way, I'm going to give you all the gold and the silver and all the articles uh, of the temple to take with you. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to move on the people of the land, and, and I'm going to, uh, to uh, assign an edict that all of the people of the land have to give you their silver and gold and their livestock. Think about this. Think about the miraculous. Think about the impossibility of this. But the Spirit of God moved upon Cyrus, and it says that the people gave willingly. I don't know about you, but if somebody came knocking at my door and said, hey, so I need all your silver and gold, I'd be like, uh, I think it's in the safe, and I don't know the combination. Right? But, but uh, uh, in Zechariah 4, the Lord said to Zerubbabel that these things will happen not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. You see, he said, this will come through my rest. You have to enter into my rest 
It's going to come not by your power. You are not going to go on your own accord, but you will rebuild this temple and my spirit will do it for you. All you have to have is a yes in your heart. So if you look at the Old Testament Exodus, it actually tells a story about what God is trying to do. So there are two Exoduses in the Old Testament, all right? Now, when God does something in the Old Testament, it's typically a type and a shadow of what he's trying to do spiritually in the New Testament. So it sets us up, and if we have the eyes to see, then we can actually get a glimpse of what heaven is saying. So if you take a look at the names, names are very important, what things are called, okay? So if you look at the names, if you look at the name Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel means to come out of or to flow away from Babylon, okay? So that's the name of the man that led the remnant and the people of God out of Babylon and back into Jerusalem. And so his name, remember last week I told you about what um, Moses means. Moses means to be drawn out, right? So you have two, two very similar names there. One is to flow away from, and the other is to be drawn out, right? But listen to this, what the names of the places mean. Babylon means confusion. So Zerubbabel actually means to flow out of confusion. And Egypt, you're going to love this. Egypt is, um, it means uh, the temple of the soul of Pita. Pita was their creator God. So it was the temple of the soul of their creator God. That's where the people of God during the time of Moses were being led out of. So it was to be, to flow away from the soul of the, of a demonic stronghold. Now, I believe what the Lord is saying is this, is that uh, he's talking and he's saying, set my people free from the confusion of their souls. Your mind, your will, and your emotions that are continually in a state of confusion. And he said, I am going to cause my spirit to come and to release truth in those places of confusion in your souls. And where the enemy took you captive, I've now, Jesus said, I'm coming and I'm going to set your soul life free, meaning that your minds are going to be renewed. That word, re, new, right? So you get born again. Where do you get born again from? Where did Jesus get born again from? Heaven. Where do you get, when you get born again, you get born again from heaven. You no longer are of the earth and born from the earth, but you're now born from heaven. Therefore, your soul life, your mind, your will, and emotions has been set free. So now you can begin to access the wisdom of heaven, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, the words of God, the pictures in heaven. So all of a sudden, there you, you see there's a ticker tape going on. You know, to me, it's like if, uh, cause I don't know anything about the stock market. It would be like all of a sudden 
I understand it all. And I'm like, whoa, look at this. I know how everything works. I know the ups and the downs and the arounds and the math and everything and how all the companies and the, you know, and even those numbers. I don't even know how to read those numbers. I'm like, I have no idea what that means, you know, but all of a sudden you've got an epiphany and you, and you have greater knowledge than everyone on the earth. You've got greater wisdom than everyone on the earth. And all of the sudden your real estate goes way up. Amen. All right. So the new Testament exodus, how are we doing on time? Woo. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to rapid fire this. So Jesus ministry was to shift us. So he also had an exodus. He was taking uh, the people during the day out of Judaism and he was taking them into the kingdom. Right. And so, uh, so he's moving everybody. He's telling them, Hey, it's going to come beforehand. I sent John the Baptist to tell you heads up. Something's coming. We're about to all shift. Everybody get ready. Get ready. You're going to repent, which means you're going to change your mind. You're going to repent, which means Bam, all of a sudden, everything in you and the way that you think and the pattern of living that you have lived under the law is about to change. And it's going to be a massive shift. And he came beforehand because he knew that it was going to be difficult for the people of God to make the shift. So he began, he sent John the Baptist and then he came with the same message and he said, listen, you have got to move over. And the very same spirit that was on John the Baptist is in the land again to prepare for the way of the Lord. And the coming of the Lord. Amen. Because I believe what actually happened is after the first church disappeared off of the earth, we got back, we lost the power. So when I don't, I'm not going to go into that, but we lost the power. So therefore we got into the traditions. So therefore we became a powerless church again and religion took back over. And God is saying, I am setting my people free and I am going to have a bride in the earth when I return. Oh, all right, so this is what happened. There are six elements of, 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 a, of a transition or an exodus. Number one comes the shaking with Jesus. He was on the cross. That was the shaking. The exodus, Jesus rose from the dead. The promise was the promise of the Father. He told us very, he told in, in Acts, he said, wait for the promise of the Father. See, that's where all these little seedlings are. You are all acorns. Where are you right now? You're waiting once again because something is coming and those, those acorns, those seedlings that are under the ground and you're getting all fat and you're being nourished by the Lord and the hand of the Lord. And he's like, don't leave this place until it's time. But, but, but so anyway, so the promise comes, the promise was, of course, Pentecost, right? So then you move down, and what happens? Every single time, every single exodus, it was for one goal. Worship and build a temple. But this time, the temple was not made with hands, but it was you. And so he said, I'm going to come, and I'm going to dwell in my people. So once again, we have another temple being built. See, he wanted every single time that there was an exodus, his heart was crying, for communion with his people. Number five, miracles. He did the impossible miracles, mud in the eye, just like Jericho, right? Weird stuff, but hey, it worked, right? And I mean, I got to tell you, uh, he said there's going to be greater works. And so we have to get our minds around greater works because it's going to, you think it was weird then? We just got to say, okay, Lord, have your way. It's going to be really bizarre 
And a lot of us are going to be accused of, of all kinds of things. That's not God. That's not God. I'm telling you, we have to, they, they said the same thing about Jesus, you know, that he was a wine bibber. What is that? You know, I mean, so there are going to be a lot of accusations. You know, they were like, you know, that John the Baptist, that guy is so strange. And so there were all of these accusations because they were doing things that were against the traditions of man and was right in the face of religion. Did you know that that Pharisee means, um, the word Pharisee or the title Pharisee means an actor, somebody who's actually pretending A hypocrite. Yeah. But, I mean, it's an actor. It's somebody who pretends to be something that they're not. And I'll tell you what, I, I, my heart is just weeping for the pastors in the Western church. How can you lead if you're not doing it yourself? How can, you, how can you lead the remnant if you're not the remnant? You know, if you're not the real thing and you're just a career uh, pastor, God did not create the church so that we could make uh, a salary. He created the church so that we could make the earth his footstool. The sixth thing is rest. There remains, uh, he said in Hebrews 4, uh, 9 through 10, there, rem- there, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he has entered his rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And so he said, listen, if he said it then, he, it, it's the same available to us now. So here are the characteristics of, uh, of, of an exodus that's coming. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a shaking. Don't be surprised when it happens. And the last thing you want to do is get in fear, but you want to say, God, what's going on? How do you, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'll do that. That sounds cool. You're going to take care of everything as long as I do what you're telling me to do. Second, there's going to be an exodus. And by the way, every single time there was an exodus, an evil ruler uh, a pharaoh, if you will, was in charge. They, they were, they, the, these men were evil, and they were over the people of God. So don't think you've got to have, like, you know, uh, the pope ruling. Okay, that probably wasn't a good example, but anyway. The third is miracle signs and wonders. What is impossible for man is possible with God. And so you had a great outpouring of, of miracles, signs, and wonders. The fourth was that there was going to be a promise that he was going to take you into perfect worship and that he was going to build a tabernacle. This time, beloved, let me tell you something. Your tabernacle is about to explode with light. The shining ones, those that have been created by God for such a time as this, your tabernacle is about to be built. And that what Jeremy was singing is it's not a visitation, but it's a habitation of the Lord where literally Jesus is going to come and he is going to stay. 
Imagine what your life would look like if your words weren't your own. If you genuinely entered into, which is the sixth, you entered into the rest of the Lord and you let him have his way. Well, it's going to look like a bunch of Jesuses, the multiplication of the seed in in some really good-looking skin. Right, Michael? Come on. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Who knows? We might all get better looking. I don't know. All right, so this is what happened. Are y'all good? I've got about five more minutes. Are y'all good? All right, here's what's going to happen. And every single time there was an exodus, um, God used a remnant of the people. It was never the mass uh, community of people. In the first exodus, it was 2 out of 12. In the second exodus, it was 42,000 out of 2 million. And in the third exodus, it was 120 out of thousands. He always used a remnant to go before the people and begin to establish the way. Isaiah 61, all right? Here are the qualities of the remnant. Number one, they had a different spirit. Like I said before, they were being poor in spirit. They did not lean on their own understanding, but they fully trusted God. Number two, they had faith to believe God when the circumstances said otherwise. Number three, they changed their thinking. And so the way that they functioned in days past, they allowed themselves to go and learn a new way. This is a new way of thinking, a new way of functioning, a new way of operating. And even though the world doesn't understand, I don't care. Guys, I can't tell you how much persecution I got when I decided everybody was fine as long as I was going to church. They all, everybody was like, yeah, that's good. Praise the Lord. But the minute that I began to spend time in prayer, like, like, like a a lot of time in prayer, people were like, what are you doing? You could be out working or helping the poor or, you know, I mean, they had a laundry list of all of the things that I was, I was not doing. And I said, listen, you don't understand. I am having these amazing encounters. He's teaching me about my identity, and he's telling me about my destiny. I don't know about you, but I can't think of anything more worthy of our time, including them all. Come on. Spoke to Dallas there. The fourth thing is they were optimistic about the impossible. They the remnant always sees the glass, glass half full. You know, when the bombs are going off and Russia's invading and a volcano explodes and the blah, 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 the laundry list is going to be pretty long. I don't know if y'all have read the book of Revelation, but, yeah, you know, it's going to look a lot like it did during the days of Moses when you had all of the um, um, plagues. Well, these are bowls. They call it different, something different. But, I mean, the bottom line is it's going to shake the people out of living and feeding off the earth. This is really good news for us. We as a people of God are going to have the hope that everyone is looking for. We're going to have the answers. We're going to be the prophets. Because when Jesus came and the transition happened, Peter stood up and he said, let me tell you what's happening. Heaven and earth have just collided. 
You now have access to heaven. And your delivery system is your mouth. Praise the Lord. And you are going to prophesy. You will control all of the things that go on in the earth because you see it in heaven and you release it through your mouth. Come on, beloved. And so on Thursday nights, I really want to encourage you because Thursday nights, we're really teaching in the prophetic. If you don't know how to prophesy or you don't do it on a regular basis, I really encourage you to come because not only is it profound, but it is also fun. It can be fun to learn how to prophesy to a perfect stranger. Amen? All right, so we're going to go do some meeting and greeting. Praise the Lord. And uh, why don't you stand? I'm going to pray over you. So, Father, I do. I just thank you, God, that you are shifting your people into uh, worshiping you, God, in spirit and truth. I thank you, God. I ask that this morning you would release these truths into our spirit, God. Would you renew our minds, Father, that we could think the way that you think, Father? Would you give us your mind? We want the mind of Christ. We don't, I don't want the mind of Tracy. Yeah, I, I don't, the world doesn't need more me, you know. It needs you, of course, wrapped in my personality. But anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> so, God, I just ask, I ask you, God, that you would come and sweep away the cobwebs that are in our minds. All of that stinking thinking and all of the ways that we did it yesterday, Father, we just give you permission to flush it down the toilet. We have no need of it, and we kick all of that out, and we say, God, give us a shiny, bright, new mind that is full of clarity and truth and absolutes that when heaven speaks, we resonate with heaven, and we prophesy and release it on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.